Trivia Kids, we got a great show for you. We are talking about the new allegations against Mason Rudolph. We are talking a little college football playoffs collection. And we have this week's college football bets. So let's go. And welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is November 22nd. We got ourselves another glorious day in football season, my friend. How are we doing today? Oh, we're doing good. Football season's still alive and well, unless you're me. <laughs> that is fair. You are not faring too well with the Detroit Lions or your Michigan State Spartans. We can get to all that here in a minute because we do have some NFL news to address. But it is football season, praise the good man himself. With that, we got some NFL news coming down the pipelines today. Miles Garrett throwing out today that Mason Rudolph ended up throwing out a racial slur, which caused him to hit him in the head with a helmet. Where are we landing on this news today, fella? It is very interesting to me, um, simply because you don't really know who to believe. One says they did it, one says they didn't do it. It's a lot of he said, she said right now. And, I mean... Yes, I could see that causing your, you to definitely cross your wires and definitely hit somebody with a helmet because it's in your hand. I mean, that's definitely one of those uh, set-off words. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so I can see where that has. What, what I do have a problem with, though, is Miles Garrett using that defense if it's not true simply because he apologized for the event after if that really did happen on the field you would think he would go right to bringing that up in the locker room after the game yes and his wires are still crossed but he he said he was sorry and apologized for it right after the game which was odd that's the weirdness of it all so when it when the events first unfolded i my initial thought was oh that man just dropped a hearty RN word mm-hmm. at him. <laughs> like, and I could see it too. Not, just as part of it, that was the initially where my brain went right off the bat. I was like, oh, that's what caused that. Like, there's no way that didn't. And then after the post game, which is probably wrong to just think that Mason Rudolph would just throw that around, no doubt. But it's where I went initially because I was like, Miles Garrett lost his damn mind. And that's the only thing that I could think would trigger that. Like, those events shouldn't have triggered that. But then when nobody mentioned it in the post-game show and Miles Garrett didn't bring it up in his locker room, because, like, if that had happened, it would totally be reasonable for him to be like, he said this, and then I lost my mind. That wasn't acceptable. Like, I still didn't have an acceptable reaction, but this is why those events folded. And I think everybody would have been like, okay, yeah, I could kind of see that. Still not really maybe a reason to hit a dude over the head with a weapon, essentially, but, like, understandable. But that isn't what happened. It didn't come out in a couple days later. It came out in his appeal court case today, which he did, the NFL said we have zero evidence to substantiate that. And they do have insane microphones, so you'd think there'd be some form of audio there. I I feel like we have to almost give Mason Rudolph the benefit of the doubt because that is a, a lofty execution. But I could also, like, I don't want to totally disband Miles Garrett because it's possible. Like, and the players that were around the scenario, they're all going crazy so Mm -hmm. who knows if they really hear it it's a shitty situation i would hate for that to be an allegation that he just throws out there if that isn't the case but we really don't have anything to really go off of it is a he said he said scenario where we don't have a lot of evidence and unless one of the microphones picked it up which is possible like there's possibility that one of the microphones from the nfl network or whoever has the closest microphone at that time because they do have some insane mics could pick it up I did hear Marquis, uh, the Pouncey 
was mic'd up for the game. So oh. there is audio out there. There, yeah. there has to be, right? Because he's got to be right around the, the situation while this is happening. So the thing that's interesting to me, though, is that you didn't hear any of the Cleveland Browns teammates come right to that defense um, and, and use that as a defense for, for Miles Garrett going off like that. Right, exactly. Because you... if you're Miles Garrett, you – you say that right away. Like you say my wires crossed because he called me this. Like playing high school sports, that did happen one time. We watched one of our teammates chuck a ball at somebody on a throw-in. We were all looking around like, what the hell happened? And then he said that this is what he called him. It was like, oh, okay, well, take your red card and go. And we got you back now. I mean, that's just what it was. Right. Yeah, you can't be it's throwing like, that around. It's like I can't get mad at you for getting a red card and getting tossed out of the game because he called you, <laughs> you the right. N-word. It's like, wh- what ground do I have to stand on? And we we got your back. So the fact that none of his teammates have really come out and said that, it's yeah. kind of alarming that, from that perspective. But then again, I can't just say that he used that as a defense and he's hiding behind it because that's wrong for me as well. Right. It's a weird, it's a bad situation one way or the other. Cause we just don't have the only thing that I could think of is unless it happened um, maybe during like when he had thrown him down to the ground and they were on the ground before anybody had separated him. But even then the reaction for the helmet came way later when he came flying in. So for me, and I, you hit it right on the head. I think every single person, if miles Garrett had said in the locker room, Hey, he threw out this word against me. And that's when I lost my mind. It's still, it wasn't the right reaction or that's just kind of what happened. I think every single person would have been like, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe he did deserve to get hit or maybe not hit with a helmet, but like, I could see how that would escalate even further. So it, the timing of it feels suspicious, which is why this is now left up to where we're all sitting here. Like, that's a really bad thing to accuse somebody of if they didn't do it, but also did he maybe do it? It's we now are in this weird position because of the timing of the whole nature, and that sucks. Well, let's bring a little more positive spin to it because it, it is the Cleveland Browns that did this. So I'm not putting it past them to screw this whole thing up and that's all. Yeah. <laughs> and go down like and say, Miles Garrett, you're not allowed to say anything, and then we're gonna hold this in our back pocket for appeal. That type of situation going on, and that whole thing going down. It is the Cleveland Browns. We never know what's going on with them, just like the Detroit Lions. We never know what's going on with them. Absolutely, no. That's 100. Like the PR person got to, <laughs> the media got in there and was like, "Hey, you don't say a word." Or like, "What happened?" Okay, we're gonna use this later. That's quite possible too. I think the biggest thing is we're gonna have to wait to see if audio ends up coming out because the NFL has some insane mics. Players are mic'd up. Apparently, Pouncey was mic'd up, so there will be audio at some point in time. It's just whether or not that gets leaked because I doubt the NFL is gonna want to put that out there. That's not a great look for them. Um, especially in today's day. Actually, it's never a good time in any day and age. But, um, yeah, it's just – we'll see. It's a wait and see on that one. Uh, moving on to college football, though, because that is what this show is about on Fridays. We got some things to talk about. Mainly, I just want to talk about your thoughts on the Tua situation and his injury. I have some thoughts about this, and they're not positive towards Saban, but I don't know if you would, if you have any thoughts before I go off on this. Um, I'm going to let you go off on this first and then I'll react. All right. Fair enough. Here's the thing. I am initially when I saw this, we were together and I was not, not happy about it. And I was not happy about it for this reason. It's a very simple reason. 
anybody who has ever played football or currently playing football accepts the risk that this is a violent ass game. Like we, anybody who's ever played, myself included, understands that your your chances of getting hurt are pretty likely in this game. It's a violent game. That is the risk of playing it. The problem I have is when adults put kids, because he is a kid at this point, making zero money off it in unnecessarily risky situations. It is absolute nonsense that Nick Saban came to the sideline and then said, I wanted to practice my two-minute offense against Mississippi State, and that's why he got injured when they're up big. That is absurd. Tua gets a better look at running the two-minute drill in practice against the starting Alabama defense where he doesn't have a risk of getting injured than he does in that instance right there. You're up big. From what it looked like to, I think, most people, it looked like Tua argued to play, which I don't blame Tua for that. That's sort of how he was raised. That's the natural competitor in him. It's Nick Saban's job as the adult, as the coach, as the man making millions of dollars to say no. We are up big here. It is unnecessary for you to continue to risk yourself in this game physically. Nobody could foresee the injury, but it's an unnecessary risk. It's an unnecessary probability you're putting into. Now, Tua is supposed to make a full recovery, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to make a full recovery on the field. That just means physically, for his well-being as a human being walking around this planet, he should be make a full recovery in that aspect. But we don't know if he'll be the same type of player before, and it is a damn shame that that is the case. And it is ridiculous for Nick Saban. It's ridiculous for all these ex-coaches like Urban Meyer, the halftime show, or whatever I saw him on TV, going, oh, I can understand the tough decision he had to make there. Bullshit. You're two minutes before the half. You're up big already against Mississippi State, who's barely a football team this year. It is unreasonable to have a win. Now, that is different if they're a close game or it's tied. These things happen. That's a little different. The nature of when it happened, I have an issue with. So... Do you think he should have played at all in this game? Yes. I don't have – so if he had gotten injured, say, in the first quarter or while this game was close, that is different because that's just the risk you take just playing football, and he still has to play and get the reps. My problem is when you're obviously up, to then say the only reason he was still in was to run the two-minute offense against Mississippi State? His defense? What? How does that make any sense? That's not practice for him. He gets better looks in Alabama practices than he does on that field in that situation. It just seemed like it seemed like it put him in an unnecessary position is what I more have. So I will I will say this. I do think that the argument that Nick Saban provided was ridiculous. Absolutely and utterly ridiculous. I think he may be showing signs of losing his mind based on that <laughs> statement because that was absolutely ridiculous. You are right. He does get better two-minute drill practices at practice against Alabama scout team than he does against Mississippi State. But this is one of the things that Nick Saban does, is he plays quarterbacks for a full half. Yeah, And that's something that he's always done. So if that were his argument, you'd have a much different argument right now. If he just said simply, our game plan going into that was to play him for the first half, the things were getting out of hand, and we are going to play him through for the full first half. That's where things kind of changed for me. Um, and that's why I don't necessarily say that he should have taken him out. Now, should he have used a different argument? Yes, absolutely. That argument is ridiculous that he had to practice for the two-minute drill. But um, And then another thing with that is trying to explain that he might not make a full recovery. Yes, it's a dislocated hip. Yes, it's the same injury that Bo Jackson had. But as I was saying to you, on the night that this happened was that Bo Jackson's injury was bad because his tissue or whatever 
died because he didn't recognize the injury within the right amount of time. They knew this injury happened right as soon as it happened. So right. they've been able to proactively work on it. And now it's also modern medicine. I mean, Bo Jackson wasn't dealing with the most modern medicine in the world. And I don't disagree. When they say he's making a full recovery, though, the doctors, they're just they're not talking about football, though, because that is a rehab. And can it be the same? And it could very well be the same. We just don't know. He's just making a full. My point is, I guess my point really is, if Saban was being honest, Saban and Danny Cannell made this argument, and I got, I didn't take this argument as great. No, I, I'd had a couple at this point in time. So <laughs> that was my bad. But I, I do value this argument a little bit more, and I think this would have been the better argument to make. And it is sort of the only argument is with the way the committee values teams, if Alabama is still trying to make the playoffs, which they are, and they're just hoping for utter chaos, the committee will look at how big they beat teams. And that makes sense as to why he'd keep. I still think that's absurd because Alabama is going to get the benefit of the doubt in almost any situation. I think there's a good chance the committee, because they have such a hard on for the SEC, is going to put two SEC teams in anyway. But mm -hmm. that's the actual argument. Like that is what he was doing. This kind of nonsense two minute drill is bullshit. If that is the actual reason, that is ridiculous. And Nick Saban has to be the adult and the coach in that situation and realize that that's ridiculous. The real argument no, is you want to make the committee. I, I agree that it's ridiculous. I just think he was playing him for the whole first half. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, that's, and that's what it is going into. That's what it is going into the game. You bring out a new quarterback rather than having to try and get him out there for the last two minutes of the first half. You bring him out, start him fresh in the second half. Yeah. And here's the other thing, too. I don't want this to get misconstrued as me going, oh, you're like, this is kind of a snowflake thing because it's not. I fully understood. I played football for a little bit there. Obviously, on a serious level, it wasn't very good, but still played. Everybody who's played, currently playing, or uh, is thinking about playing, understands that you're probably going to get hurt. I have a cracked spine as a result of that, like a cracked bone in, in my spine. There are, like, you're just going to have injuries. That happens in football. Everybody accepts that risk. It's just, it felt unnecessary. Like, you put him in an unnecessary situation. Alabama was clearly going to win that game, even at halftime, before the ball was kicked, really. But you still got to give him reps and stuff. That's really where my issue was. And then not recognizing that and trying to put this baloney spin on it that, oh, we got to do a two-minute offense practice, just was absolute nonsense. That's really where I more stand. And it just it felt unnecessary is really where I'm going, which is a shame because Tua is seems like an awesome guy. He has a bit of a helicopter dad, I think. But he's you seen, think? Yeah. Who <laughs> probably pushes him a little too hard, but he seems like an awesome kid, an awesome guy. I want him to succeed. It's football is fun when he is playing in college right now. So it's just a real shame that he had to get hurt. But I do think it ultimately it leads down to this was trying to be a committee win which I think leads us into this next topic of the, the, the playoff committee, unless you have any more on Alabama. I think we covered it pretty thoroughly no, here. No, I'm good. Rankies came out again. Alabama is still sitting at five without, without Tua, which I think is absurd given Oregon football. The Oregon football program is legit. They're at least sitting at six right now. Utah's at seven. Penn State's obviously slid. I don't really care at this point about the football rankings. But I do think it's still absurd, and it just shows the bias once again, the hard bias of the SEC, that Alabama is still sitting at five when they when the defense has not looked very good. It's as leaky as a faucet on a rainy day. And the offense just lost its most premier player 
and Tua. So I don't know how you keep Alabama at five and Oregon sits at six, but things are going to sort of sort themselves out as we come down the home stretch. Yeah, I guess that's kind of where I am on the college football playoff rankings. I, I don't really pay too close attention to them. Don't really care about them, to be honest, um, because at this point, I just hope and pray that, they, uh, that they've set themselves up, which it looks like they have set themselves up to, uh, to kind of let things play out. Yeah, things are going to play out because if Georgia continues to win out, they're going to have to play LSU. Ohio State's about to have some tough games coming down the schedule, which leads us right into our picks, I think, in a very nice way because we have got ourselves a big game this week, a game that I've been talking about for a while. After the Minnesota game, I kind of backed off if you're listening to this last one with Penn State and their challenging of Ohio State, and that's where I am starting off with my first pick. I'm going big game hunting here, Tim. I got Ohio State versus Penn State. The line is at 19 and a half currently, I believe. 19, yep. So here's a couple weeks ago I said Penn State was the team that's probably has the best chance to beat Ohio State. This is by far the best competition Ohio State has seen this year on the field. That is without question because of the teams they've had to play. But the evaluation of are they going to beat them, I don't necessarily believe that because the offense has struggled so much for Penn State recently. The defense is still very good. The defense is still very athletic, which is why this spread is very appealing to me, I think. I think Penn State now knows they have to win out, obviously. But they are in the driver's seat to play wrecking ball here on the Big Ten and really do some damage to Ohio State. It'll be interesting to see what Ohio State does against this competition. It's the first time we'll see. I don't think they're off a step like Alabama was. I think they are extremely good. I think they're going to win this game. But 19 is a big number for me. I like the 19, but more specifically, because I am addicted to these types of lines, I like the six-and-a-half first quarter Penn State. Penn State Mm -hmm. plays great football in the first half. It -hmm. seems to be the issue in second half where things – apparently James Franklin can't make an adjustment in the locker room and opposing coaches can because that's really where it seems to fall apart right now for Penn State. They barely outlasted Michigan. They obviously got destroyed by Minnesota. They've had some issues in the second half. I like plus six and a half first quarter. That is my pick that I'm putting down on paper, but I'm also going to take Penn State plus 19 right now and if it continues to rise i will probably bet it again because i do think while they won't win the football game that's a big number for ohio state to cover against a very good defense so that's where i'm at on that and if penn state runs the ball which they should do more of because they've got a great run game that's a very easily coverable number that i i agree with all your points there i don't know though if I could go with Penn State here, I might have to go with Ohio State simply with how they're looking and Penn State's trending in the wrong direction a little bit with me. Um, so I might have to go Ohio State, but for I'm not going to make that an official pick. Fair. Um, so we are going to move on to one that I feel very confident about, and I could almost make this my lock of the week, but it hurts me to say that, so I'm not going to make this my lock of the week. I'm looking at a specific team. In green and white, up here in the good old state of Michigan. Michigan uh, State at Rutgers is favored by 20 and a half points. Nathaniel, I don't think I can see Michigan State putting up 21 points on my grandma. <laughs> yeah, I saw that line. Rutgers is a debt program. They are terrible. However, Michigan State, my God, I don't know what we are doing up here. Yeah, I would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, 
Yeah, it's bad. I mean, I appreciate it because I got the the Penn State uh, – not the Penn State, the Michigan spread last week. I saw that line, and I thought the same thing. I was like, man, I know Rutgers stinks, but that's an awfully big line for Michigan State to cover offensively. Brian Lewerke has looked rough, to say the best of it. That whole team looks lost. No fire to the belly. No edge to the system. Does not help that they're without that middle linebacker. It is – it's a bad situation up there in Lansing. It's rough up here. Plus, you got the opportunity for Mark D'Antonio since he says he's coming back next year. He's got to start looking at quarterbacks for next year. Brian Lorkey's a senior. So if yep. these quarterbacks stink, like I think they do as well, we're looking at a cover by Rutgers. <laughs> all right. All right. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Um I got a pick here for you. This will be my lock of the week. I thought about Penn State plus six and a half first quarter. This is mine. Minnesota Northwestern, 14's the line, over under 39 and a half. I have been all over Northwestern's ass. I am on them like white on rice. They are, I called UMass by the skin of their teeth. They got by that one last week. Northwestern has a pitiful offense. I mean, it is an embarrassment to the sport of football. They are 0-7 in the Big Ten. Minnesota, Tim, what did I say last week? I hate myself for this. I apologize to all the listeners and fans out there. I said on this show, Minnesota is walking to Iowa. This smells like a trap game. Iowa always has that game this time of year under the lights at home where they just play ungodly like football. The offense gets going. The defense gets going. They hit a big win at home. That's going to happen here. And then what I do Saturday, I wake up Saturday, and I tweet out the Minnesota pick. I bet the Minnesota pick. I am blaming you on that one a little bit. Hand up. Got, hand up. Hand is up brain. over here. I talked you into that. My dumb brain talked me into yep. P.J. Fleck rallying the troops, even though I know I was always great at home, too. I yep. said the same thing. I started out with the same thing. And then my dumb brain out loud said, you know what? PJ Fleck is going to do this. That's exactly where I woke up on Saturday. I woke up Saturday feeling great about it. That's not what happened. But I do like him to get the crap out of Northwestern here this week. They are still at the top of the Big East or Big East, Big Ten, <laughs> Big Ten West. They still have a chance to go into and win the Big Ten and play Ohio State or Ohio State. In the Big Ten championship game here, except for Michigan somehow favorites, which we'll get. We should probably mention that at some point next week, which is odd. But staying on topic here, staying focused. Northwestern stinks. Minnesota is still a good football team, I believe. They just played the Iowa team that comes around once a year. It's like Santa Claus on Christmas. It comes around once a year. It's a glorious day for everybody who picks up on it. I unfortunately ignored it this year, but that's that happened. Minnesota, I think, is going to come back with a statement win here. They're going to look to absolutely bury Northwestern. This is out, Northwestern is outmatched in every phase of the game. Coaching, athleticism, execution, every part of the game, they are outmatched here. I like Minnesota to cover the 14. It is my lock of the week. I don't hate that at all. I'm just going with my gut here. Um, it's not as good as Nate's, but it is something. Um, the Texas-Baylor game, over 58 and a half. Should we talk I about know what to do on for a second here? We can <laughs> I do that. Mean, talk about one of the worsts. Having a huge statement win in the grasp of your hands and just utterly falling on your face and 
I like some physical comedy. That was one of the best absolute failures from top to bottom in that barrel that lost to Oklahoma. It was wild. I've never seen anything like that besides the Super Bowl. <laughs> True. Very <laughs> ironic score there. Yeah, very <laughs> much so. <laughs> it's almost like they planned it. Yeah, almost, almost. It's almost like the football gods are out here laughing at us. They love that score for some reason. I don't know what it is. Yep, but Minnesota, sorry there. But, yeah, I don't hate that pick right there. I mean, both these teams, too. Talk about some lost programs. I think they, they both have programs without direction, really, but they it's still the Big 12, and they really don't play any defense. Oh, Texas's defense is – they can't stop a nosebleed. Except for the one game I bet the over, and I bet it against Iowa State, Texas, all of a sudden they decide to play some football now. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, they haven't been able to stop a nosebleed all, all year. They're terrible. Texas is terrible. I'm going to be surprised if Tom Herman – I've been saying this for a little while. I'm going to be surprised if he lasts the offseason. I can't imagine the Texas boosters keep him around for another year because they have been – terrible the last couple of years yeah i know they won that game last year against georgia in a meaningless game everybody said texas is back they are garbage and they have been garbage they are not a good football team they are not back which is insane because they should be able to recruit they obviously have the budget they have the history it is a shame texas football isn't good i would like matthew mcconaughey to be a little bit happier on saturday unfortunately that isn't happening downtown in longhorn country anytime soon that's all i have on that one <laughs> in case you're wondering, just a little point. bit just yeah, a little just, bit. Just a little there. Little little taste. Um, where was I going here next? Oh, I that's right. <laughs> I got it over here for you. Boston College, Notre Dame, 64. These are two teams. Boston College is actually sort of – I thought about the spread for a minute, but I think Notre Dame's probably going to cover that. But Boston College is a great run team, as we all saw in that Michigan game. Notre Dame isn't the greatest against the run. They do score about 30 points a game. The defense, though, for Boston College is why I like this over. Because while I don't, I don't know if Boston College will keep it quick or close. I think they will score a little on the Notre Dame offense. But I know the Notre Dame defense is about to score on that BC defense. They're letting up plus 30 points a game or something like that. I think I saw. It is a bad situation down up or up in Boston. It is out um, at Notre Dame. But I like the over there, 64. I think that should hit. I think Notre Dame is going to put up some big points, and I think Boston will score some there to give us that over. I don't hate that. I'm looking for my next pick right now. Um, I'm going Oklahoma State at West Virginia. I don't think West Virginia is any good. They're get, they only have to, they're they're favored by five and a half. I think they can cover that. Um, it comes down to the fact that I just don't think West Virginia is any good. I agree with that. I I don't. They're the West Virginia is not the West Virginia team of where they they played awesome offense and literally no defense. They're sort of a very below average offense with a not so great defense currently is the way I view them. So it's not a great situation. Now it is a new new staff, so they get they get some grace period to figure it out. But um, I I'm with you there. My last pick. This is a team. They don't very much like, but I can recognize when a team has turned a corner. Vatech, pit game at Vatech, minus four Virginia Tech. I like Virginia Tech here. They have turned a corner on the season. I don't like pit. They're very wishy-washy for me. Um, I like Virginia Tech. They've turned a corner this season. I still don't think that's the right coaching combination down there um, for the Hokies, but I do think they can cover that four. I like Virginia Tech there. I don't really have any more. Um, 
I do have one that I was tossing around in my brain, and that was Georgia minus 13 mm. against Texas A&M. Um, the problem with that one is I don't think Georgia will step on anybody's necks to actually beat them into the ground like they should. Yeah. Um, but, however, they are the, one of the most talented teams, if not the most talented team out there in the country. Yeah. Um, so, with that being said, I I like the 13. I don't – I like Georgia. I don't know if I like the 13 yet. So Yeah, I thought about that, too. I, I like the Georgia team. I'm a big Jake Fromm believer. I've been saying that since his freshman year. I wrote an article calling him the next Peyton Manning of college football, which – Honestly, if we weren't in this insane spread offense type of thing, he's very similar in a lot of ways. Um, but that type of talent nowadays gets discriminated. Not to say he is exactly that way. He's, he's falling a little short, but he's a guy who doesn't turn over the ball, makes a lot of good reads, plays the game extremely smart, high level. The, the Georgia one's a weird one for me. They're super athletic, super good on defense. The offense has had some explosion, some not. It's a young receiving core. They finally got some continuity there. The run game is still very good. For me, it's just Texas A&M. I don't know what I'm going to get out of them. So it's I'm, I'm still mulling that one in my brain out there. Mm-hmm. But that might be something I tweet out on Saturday because it is it is something that caught my eye. It's just I don't know how I feel about Texas A&M yet, right now. Yeah, Texas A&M is also a huge uncertainty. You never know. Week to yeah. week. It's different it, every time. Very much so. Um, that's all I got right now. You got any final thoughts before we wrap this bad boy up? No, I wasn't sure if you wanted to touch on the Michigan spread or not, or if you wanted to save that to next week. Oh, that is right. No, because that could very well change. Very well change. Well, here's the thing. First off, for those of you who don't notice, no, or notice, because it's been going around, there are some places that have opened up betting on Michigan State, or not Michigan, Michigan, Michigan and Ohio State next week, and they have Michigan as a three-point favorite, which is insane. Now, here is what I will say about that. For the exact reason we were just talking about the Tua situation, one, I'd be betting the house on it if we get through this weekend and that was the line on Ohio State, unless something crazy goes on in Penn State. I would be a little nervous because this is football. People can get hurt. God forbid something happens to like Justin's Fields, then you bet on Ohio State, you're probably screwed there. But as long as Ohio State comes out of this game healthy against Penn State and wins, as we all think they should— that is insane to have Michigan as a favorite. It's insane right now to have Michigan as a favorite. Ohio State has been playing arguably the best football in the country. I still think LSU is that team is the better team right now. But there's a very healthy debate to put Ohio State as the best team in the country. And that is like I just I don't understand the minds like what mobster paid off some player ahead of time that Vegas knows about that we don't know about. Like how does that line make any sense? Well, the only thing I can think of is that their models that they plug numbers into um, really significantly overvalued Michigan's wins against Notre Dame and Michigan State. Probably. Because they have... Pretty good, but still. Right. And they're... Well, the other thing is, too, they're finally starting to use their pass game. Yeah, they're starting to use their pass game, but it's like the same thing every year. Like, does Michigan look like a team that can keep up if... Ohio State's airing it out all day and putting up big numbers. Like, they don't look like it's the same thing as last year, except for last year's team was better, where it's like, I don't know if that offense is really going to be able to keep up. <laughs> like, if the flood door is open, how right. is that offense going to keep up? I mean, I expect the same thing out of Michigan every year. I tell you this year after year, Michigan's going to crush the bad teams and lose to the good teams. Yeah, And they're going to do the same thing again this year. 
Last year going to that game, I did really believe it. I was blinded. I was blinded by a great defense that got smoked in an offense that I thought was going to be a, was going to show some things that they hadn't shown all year against Ohio State. That was not the case. Yeah, they've changed it up a little bit. You're right. They are starting to use the pass game more. But I don't – like nothing I've seen out of Michigan goes like, oh, yeah, they can really compete because I think Ohio State's going to put up numbers against them, and I just don't think the offense – like I don't think they're good enough on defense to contain – those floodgates opening and they're not good on offense to keep up because they have to run the ball to get the pass game going. You can't do that. You have to just be able to get the pass game going against Ohio state. Unless you have a really good defense that can keep them in that magic number of like low twenties. Right. So the moral of this story is if your bookie or the site you're using allows you to take this bet right now, do it. Yeah. The only caution I will give there is, be wary of injuries because correct. There, things can change. Things can things change. Can change fast. The second that Penn State game ends, I would be hopping on to see if there is a line offered where Michigan is still the favorite. And if it is, unless Penn State really kicked the crap out of them, which I don't think is necessarily going to happen, yeah, I'd be doing. I'd be taking that all day long, taking it to the bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why the Penn. That's one of the reasons I thought Penn State might be able to do it is because I thought that that defense could keep Ohio State this week in that magic number of low 20s-ish. And the Penn State's got a really good run game, so you can control the clock and try to open the pass game. It has been stalled in the pass game, so I don't feel that way as much anymore. But there is it. I could see Penn State potentially squeaking it out, but it's slim. Very they have to They have to really be able to run the ball, which I'm more concerned about and them abandoning that early, because if they abandon that early, there isn't a chance that they even come close to winning this game. They have to be able to run the football, which sounds dumb. It's like the analysis everybody always gives out, but it is so true with this team because they have the athletes on defense. So we'll see. Time shall we'll tell. We'll see. Time will <laughs> tell. All right. That'll do it for us this week. As always, peace. Peace. Peace.